Welcome into another episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Well, after a faster-than-average start, the U.S. corn harvest slowed last week. It fell slightly behind the average pace as of Sunday, according to USDA's weekly crop progress report out Monday afternoon. The soybean harvest was also running behind its average pace, according to the National Agricultural Statistics Service. Corn harvest progress 7% done as of Sunday, up just 2 percentage points from the previous week. That puts the current harvest progress 2 percentage points behind last year and 1% behind the 5-year average. Meantime, crop condition, 52% of corn rated good to excellent nationwide, down 1% from the previous week. Soybean harvest progress at its first report of the season. NASA estimated that 3% of the crop was harvested as of Sunday, two percentage points behind both last year's pace and the five-year average of 5%. Harvest has started in Nebraska, the Dakotas, Minnesota, and Indiana, but still is just getting really underway. Soybean crop condition, 55% of beans rated in good to excellent condition, down 1% from last week. Winter wheat planting progress moving ahead 11 percentage points last week to reach 21% as of Sunday. That is 1% ahead of last year and 4 percentage points ahead of the five-year average of 17%. Meantime, spring wheat harvest has moved ahead 9 percentage points last week to reach 94% complete as of Sunday, equal to the five-year average. Minnesota and North Dakota are 92 and 91% harvested, respectively. Beef economist Dr. Glenn Tonsor from Kansas State University works a lot on the demand equation for the beef and pork industry. Tonsor says the latest numbers from August show a challenging picture, but consumers are still trying to figure things out to enjoy beef. August demand was down, retail up, food service. Narrowly, we have two beef categories, so ribeye steak and ground beef, a couple pork, as well as chicken breast and some other proteins that are tracked. And across the board, with the exception of plant-based patties, they were just flat for the month compared to July. The number that said they bought their protein for at-home consumption from merchandisers, so think Walmart and Target, and the number that bought it from club stores, so think Costco's and Sam's Club, both were well up. We've been talking a lot about response to inflation, but I think this is an indication that folks are shifting to where they buy their protein and probably buying a bigger volume when they buy it. I mean, if you think through the outlets I just talked about, they may have a more expensive trip, but I think they're finding ways to get the price per pound lower by buying something bigger. Tonsor also talked about the food service side of things. Now, this is a month-over-month statement. So when we compare August and July, food service demand, and even more narrowly, demand for dinner meals away from home, certainly was up. And that was across the board, all the proteins. That is breaking trend from the past. We also just categorized where you have your meal. The percentage that ate away from home in August was up from July. It was flat for breakfast and was up for the other two meals. So foot traffic was up through restaurants. That's Dr. Glenn Tonsor, Kansas State University Livestock Market Economist. Well, USDA's Foreign Agricultural Service Monday announced that grants for research and educational partnerships focused on climate-smart ag in tropical countries. Foreign Ag Service Administrator Daniel Whitley announced the $300,000 in funding to six U.S. universities. Whitley says, quote, We're confident that they can collaborate on climate solutions that contribute to food security and agricultural sustainability, both locally and globally, end quote. The Foreign Agricultural Service is awarding the funds under the Scientific Cooperation Research Program. FAS is awarding approximately $50,000 each to Tennessee State University, the University of Hawaii at Manoa, Texas State University, the University of Missouri, the University of Nebraska, and Louisiana State University. Whitley noted that this year's awards support two of USDA's top priorities under Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack and Deputy Secretary Jewel Bernard. 
putting agriculture at the center of solutions to the global climate crisis and advancing racial justice, equity, and opportunity in USDA program administration through the involvement of three prominent minority-serving institutions. The Climate Smart Agriculture Partnerships funding announced last week has some environmental groups drawing criticism. While welcomed by many in the food and agriculture sector, environmental group Friends of the Earth says some of the funding recipients are unacceptable. Funding recipients and partners include a range of corporations, universities, NGOs, trade associations, farms, tribal organizations, and state agencies. USDA is expected to soon make another announcement of $700 million for smaller projects under this initiative. Jason Davison, senior food and agriculture campaigner at Friends of the Earth, says, quote, Unfortunately, several of them will funnel tens of millions of taxpayer dollars to some of the most egregious climate offenders, big ag corporations like JBS, Cargill, and ADM, end quote. He added, quote, many of these corporations and trade associations have historically fought climate mitigation measures, refusing to report data on their emissions and other pollution, end quote. Friends of the Earth called on Congress and the Department of Agriculture to ensure transparency and accountability for the projects. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack traveled to Pepin County, Wisconsin recently to talk about the recent funding announcement for the Climate Smart Commodity Partnership Opportunity. He says farmers are going to benefit from the 70 projects to be accepted in the first funding pool. So we're excited about this opportunity. We think that there are 16 projects or so in Wisconsin where producers will be able to benefit. I think there's a way in which they will be able to ensure that the data that they're collecting is accumulated and provides direction and help. We're going to learn a lot from these projects. 70 projects, $2.8 billion committed to it, but it sounds like a lot of money, but there were over $20 billion of requests, over 1,000 applications because farmers, ranchers, and forested landowners, producers are very interested in this and very ready for it. The USDA is already looking at applications for the second round of funding which will assist smaller projects than the first round did. Well, we're in the process now of looking at those. These are requesting significantly less money. They may be shorter in time as well. Most of the large grants are up to three to five years in time. So we'll take a look at those. The idea here is, I think, to have the same 70 experts review those as reviewed the larger grant applications. And we're looking for the same kind of opportunities here. Are underserved producers, beginning farmers, veterans, minority farmers, are they included? Are farmers who are early adopters, they're not penalized? Will there be financial incentives or is it a voluntary? What kind of partnerships have you developed with universities? How are you going to report and verify results? We'll take a look and we'll try to fund as many of the quality applications as we can. One topic that did come up is rural broadband access, which would allow more producers to take part in these programs. Vilsack says it's coming soon. Well, I think high-speed internet's coming to the countryside because of the bipartisan infrastructure law. We're going to have a significant amount of investment over the course of the next couple of years to ensure that people have access to that very important tool in the 21st century. Again, that's U.S. DA Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack. Legislation introduced last week would remove burdensome government regulations from the trucking industry, according to South Dakota Senator Mike Rounds. The South Dakota Republican introduced the Trucking Regulations Unduly Constricting Known Service Providers, or Trucks Act. Rounds says the regulations are burdensome to agriculture, school districts, and trucking companies. In 2012, then-President Obama signed into law legislation that set in motion a new rule that created a requirement for entry-level driver training. The final rulemaking went into effect earlier this year. All new drivers who wish to obtain their CDL must now complete entry-level driver training, adding a burdensome requirement at a time when the American Trucking Association estimates a nationwide trucker shortage of 80,000 drivers. The bill would all allow states to issue a new small business restricted CDL, so entry-level driver training requirements would not affect small businesses with nine CDLs or less. The U.S. Custom Harvesters have endorsed the legislation.
And that's going to do it for this episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, wishing you and yours a fantastic rest of your day.